Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. Today, I'm joined by John Solomon. John is the CMO of Therabody. If that brand sounds familiar, it's because you probably know one of their products, that is Theragun. Theragun is that product we all wanted during the pandemic because we needed a massage and it got us through that. And John talks about joining this company in the last couple of years and helping figure out how to take not just the product, but the brand as a whole to the next level. And a big part of that strategy is connecting the association to our lifestyle versus the specific product benefits. He discusses how to compare against a competitive set and understanding that when we can make a solution part of your lifestyle, it is more of a meaningful connection. Now, John's done this before. He was part of the digital marketing team at Beats by Dre, which eventually became part of Apple. And we can all associate these really clear images of people wearing Beats headphones and that they represented not just listening to music, but being part of a lifestyle. And that's very much what this episode's about. I know this is a little different than my traditional B2B hardcore guest, but I think we can learn about complex buying decisions with products like these that are premium and how we can elevate the connection to buy those products by helping people through change. And that's what John's talk is all about. Here's our conversation. Enjoy. John, thanks so much for being here. I am really excited to jump in and talk about your career journey. It's a little different than a lot of my guests. Not to say you haven't had some B2B experience, but you definitely crossed over into more consumer world. But let's go back to what drew you into marketing in the first place. Yeah, well, thank you, Randy. I really appreciate you having me on the show. That's a great question because I get at, I get asked that a lot. And I think that I don't I don't necessarily think I have a traditional journey. I think I've kind of had a, a path that's taken me in a few different directions, ultimately to land me where where I am today. But I would say it really started, you know, I grew up in the Bay Area. I was in San Francisco, really amongst the the big tech boom, right? That first original dot-com boom when, you know, everything was being made into a web page um, and uh, the very early days of, um, you know, people starting to consume uh, online. Um, and you had things like Amazon very early days, you have, you know, groceries and pet stores and everything. And a lot of it didn't last, right? And it kind of took a while. And now, now we see that that's all come to fruition. But I was really excited by the internet. I was kind of one of those kids that was like a nerd in my basement. And I remember when I got my first Apple Performa and, um, you know, we're going on AOL and, um, you know, really just enamored by this whole new way of communicating and instant messaging and early days of email. And I think I just was just so interested in the early, early days of technology and digital and, and really saw it as a, something that was uh, really going to transform things. Um, and I, as a kid, was just super into it. That was my early days of just how to, how to communicate. Um, and, and I ultimately, I, I, I kind of took that digital um, and I took that, you know, forward when I went to college, I thought I was going to be in more computer science and that side of things. But I think I quickly learned that I, I really liked more on the 
the creative side, the ways of how do you think about talking to people? How do you think about messaging to people? I was really interested in like building websites and web pages. I think I really liked uh, the creative side of how do you how do you communicate? So that really that really put me on my uh, a path um, where ultimately that led me to to kind of where I am today. I've, I've gone through the the agency world. I started my own business in in China, uh, really working with companies on on marketing and coming to that market was on the uh, digital agency side. Um, and then ultimately through uh, kind of Beats and uh, the acquisition of Apple from Beats, got into the, got to really understand um, a whole other side of marketing with those two brands. And then ultimately ended up uh, where I am today at, at Therabody. So a lot of people know the Therabody brand either by that name or the Theragun, which, you know, everyone is wanted in their stocking or in some sort of birthday gift or anniversary gift. Like you can please anyone with that thing. But I want to, I want to go back to what you skipped over very quickly in an amazing career already, which is the experience that Apple gave you that probably lined up the fit at Therabody very well. You you hit on being at Beats, and I, I'm curious when you look back on both of those companies being Apple and Beats before that, was that in your mind more of a digital experience or more of a marketing experience? How do you think about that, and how do you think about the difference between that and we'll get to in a minute being the CMO of all go to market? Right, great question. Um, and I think I think just backing up a little bit, when I was at uh, HHUA and digital agency, one of my clients was Anheuser Busch. They had just won that account, and I remember just I spent a lot of time in St. Louis, spent a lot of time with my clients. And even though I love that we were consulting with them on, you know, whether it's something about social or CRM or digital, I love that they were kind of at the uh, they were driving the brand, they were making those decisions. And so I was like, I, I want to be kind of them, right? I wanted, I, I love agency life. I love the ability that you can work on multiple different clients. But for me, I really wanted to be in the driver's seat and say, I'm going to be on that kind of brand side. I want to be on the client side because I want to make the decisions and be able to be responsible for executing. So when I went to the Beats, when I had the opportunity to go to Beats, um, it was that, that first opportunity to really do that. And I came in to be responsible for the digital side of things, which you have to remember back in, 2014, probably those were days when like Facebook paid was just being started. Right. I mean, digital was like, let's put a bunch of people that we kind of don't know what to do with them and like put them in the digital team. Right. And that was things like websites. And it was early days of social performance. Marketing was barely a thing, you know, on, at least on social side of things, you did have search, you had SEO, SEM, you had analytics, um, but these were all very early days. Right. And they weren't thought of as key points of integration with campaigns. It was still very much thought of, we're going to do a TV, we're going to do out of home, we're going to do, you know, different things. And then, oh, let's, let's see how that comes to light, right? Like, what can you now, now that we've made all these things, how, how, you know, help us bring it to light. It was not an all an integrated approach. Fair to say it was, it was almost one channel. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it, it was, and I, and I think it was just very much off to the side, right? It was like, oh yes, we need social accounts, but we're not really going to like, I don't care that much about it, right? Like it was all just kind of like you were you were the team off to the side, and you know, so so a lot of what I think I did, and I had a great you know great, great leadership at, at Beats, um, kind of when, when a lot of us came in at that same time, it was really about how do we become a lot more integrated? How do we start to think about digital from from the beginning? How do we think about digital from a campaign standpoint? 
uh, but not an afterthought. So I think that's where I really kind of, you know, my um, person who brought me in is a guy by the name of Jason White. He has spent a lot of time working um, at White and Kennedy. He had run the Nike account there globally. And so he really had that, you know, great advertising side, creative side, strategic side. And so I was able to kind of bring in a lot of the digital expertise and knowledge. And together, I think we were able to kind of take a more modern approach because we each had strengths and weaknesses that we both knew about. And I think over time, I really understood and got to learn more about, you know, brand marketing, developing campaigns, advertising, and then integrating that into digital. Um, and so that was really the first step to be able to do that. And then when Apple came along, because I was working on the beat side, you know, they had a new CMO and, and they said they really wanted to take Apple's marketing and more of the, 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 the digital space too, right? They have traditionally been, a, they have been a traditional marketer, amazing, you know, advertising as we all know and love, amazing out of home and, and obviously retail. And so it was all about okay, how do we start to infuse that, that, that digital, that social, that they knew was going to be really important. So I think I kind of was that that person or that guy who was, I think, coming and having that expertise, bringing in the the voice of the consumer and how they were starting to purchase and buy and research, and then really merging it with some of the the deep expertise that uh, some of the people I got to work with and partners I got to uh, collaborate with to round out on on the digital side, or sorry, on the non digital side. So by the time Beats came around. They're like, well, we, we love that you have the digital side because we started as a D2C brand, D2C company, and that's so important to us. But now we need to we need to build the brand. We're going into retail. We're going into Best Buy. We're going into Amazon. We're going international. So now we need to think about how are we building um, not only our, you know, our, our D2C side of it, but rounding out the, the entire brand and thinking about it holistically in all the places we, need, we now need to show up. So I think that that's kind of, my journey and i think where i had some great you know mentorship had some great people i got to work with people i got to work for so i was able to expose myself and ensure maybe some of the things that i hadn't done previously so i want to make the jump from there to therabody and and i'm curious because this company has grown so quickly and become a household brand almost overnight i'm trying to figure out when you landed there as cmo where were they in terms of keep in mind we're we're 20 years forward as you said from you know 2014 but where were they in terms of direct to consumer versus digital awareness of the brand i mean i learned i feel like i learned about therabody and theragun through people's social posts and that made me envious but where were they let's call it you know 18 months ago when you first joined yeah no i think um they agree another great question and and i would challenge on the household name because because I, I when we can get to that later because i and when we're when we think about when we think about certain audiences and, and maybe kind of early adopters and fitness and wellness i i do agree but i think when we're looking at the the broad larger consumer opportunity i think they're the that we're still in early days but we we can come back to that one um because i i think when i came in too i probably had that a little bit of that of like Oh, okay. Pe- people seem to know it. They know Theragun, and and a lot of it was because you have to remember this 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 company, although it's been around for 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 a while, um, really took off during COVID, and really took off. Um, I think when people were stuck at home, 
and they weren't able to, you know, go to their chiropractors, massage therapists. Um, they're doing their home gyms and wanting to be able to, uh, you know, really, really focus on their own kind of recovery and wellness. So I think the people that understood it and that got it right away were, were really drawn to the brand and the product. And, and as you can remember, right, during that time, everyone was like, didn't have a lot to do sitting at home on social. So a big part of the strategy was for sure social. And it was for sure the digital side of things. And that was influencers, that was paid media, that was a lot of sponsorships of teams and athletes. And I think it was really, really successful, right? It was a the brand what you know really, really took off. And so when I when I came in, it was really about um a lot of success with that. But um once you kind of have hit those early adopters and people that maybe were more into being, you know, the the weekend warriors or the athletes or the prosumers that were very much looking for those solutions because they weren't able to get them anymore. How do we start to go and expand beyond that? And how do we not just be a brand that is only for the athlete? I think if, you know, Ronaldo, one of our, one of our ambassadors did an amazing job of uh, bringing us a lot of great awareness and credibility. He's also the number one followed person on Instagram. So, you know, it was super helpful to be able to have him, you know, talk about how he uses a product and, and is because he is an authentic user and he has been using it for years. He has a close relationship with Dr. Jason, our founder. But we want to ensure that people don't have to feel like they have to be Ronaldo to, to benefit from these products, right? Because when we're talking about your body, I think it's different when we were marketing a, a pair of headphones and LeBron, you know, walking in with a pair of beats around his neck through the tunnel, you know, into the locker room. Yes, it's powering him as, as an athlete as he's getting in, in the zone. And that was a big part of our marketing. But um, you can relate to that, right? Because it's not necessarily, I think with LeBron, what he uses on his body or, or you know, Ronaldo, what he uses on the body, you're like, man, do I, I don't quite use my body in the same way. So I think that's where um, you really need to think about, I think, as things apply to your body, as you're, you're, you know, you're thinking about health and wellness. I think there is a lot of education that needs to, to, to happen. I think there's a lot of positioning that needs to happen. And there's a lot of stories we have to tell to ensure it is, is relatable to, to a broader audience. So what, I, what I've tried to do is come in and say, there's all this amazing work. There's an amazing roster of people, um, both ambassadors, athletes, teams, influencers, um, who've been talking on, on social and digital. We also have these amazing stories of people's lives that we've touched that are everyday people. Uh, we get into some of the work we've, we've launched more recently, but a big part of the focus has been how do we tell more kind of that testimonials and those stories of people that are authentically using the products to go after those those new consumers and to help help them understand how it can relate to, to them and their kind of wellness or you know, re rehabilitation or recovery from an injury or just wanting to move better um, and live, live fuller lives. That's great. Well, you're lining up a great second half of this podcast. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll be back with John Solomon to talk about how to evolve that story at Therabody. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. 
companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences. It's really interesting to hear John reflect back on his time at Beats and how back in those days, the idea of digital, whether it was social or the way we connected with brands outside of traditional campaigns was an afterthought. And it makes me wonder what in our marketing mix today is still new, but perhaps will be truly key to the way we connect. Will it be a podcast like this? Will it be something else in your marketing mix that allows you to create a connection that's aligned to the brand and aligned to the customer, but perhaps the attribution today just isn't there? What is that opportunity for you and how are you embracing it? John, as people are tuning in here, and maybe even when they looked at the episode name, they may have taken a, a double look at Therabody and said, how do I know this brand? Is it is it a familiar brand? And you already started to talk about broadening the story. Now, I went through the same reality when we were discussing having you join, which is I know Theragun. And it was only when I went to Therabody's website, I saw there's all these other products now. There's Theraface, there's these smart goggles, there's power dots. And these are these are all really cool pieces of technology for my health and my body that I've often associated I got to go to a doctor's office for. I mean, I had rehab on my shoulder and I was having these something that looked like this power dot thing. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. But the idea that I could do that at home is exciting, but I wouldn't have necessarily associated that with Theragun. So how are you going about broadening, not just as you said, that this is a pro athlete, but this is a general health lifestyle company, perhaps, versus the product that we all now know? Yeah, no, great, great question. We started as a one one product company and a huge amount of success with Theragun. Um, but the technologies in Theragun, so learning about percussive to start with, um, really led us to understanding a whole bunch of other things. And this was not, not me taking credit. This is Dr. Jason, this is Jaime, who leads our product development. This is Ben, our former CEO, like really starting to understand things about blood flow, inflammation, how the nervous system works. And it just led to both through acquisition and product development, uh, a whole ecosystem that can help you ultimately, you know, we started with talking about recovery, but ultimately help your body um, do whether it's coming back from an injury whether you want to be an athlete and you want to you know, perform harder, or you're just someone who wants to sustain their way of living by being able to, to move and not be in dealing with the aches and pains, whether you're a grandparent, a new father like myself, right? So I think, you know, we, we all started it, you know, when you go back to it, we talk a lot about tech wellness and how our, we're developing technology that's ultimately um, allowing you to feel better and, and move better. And we really see it as a, as a mind and body thing. And the thing that we're seeing is that, that this is a major consumer trend. I think is similar to when um, people started wanting to have their own devices uh, in the workplace, right? They said, I don't, I don't want an IBM computer. I don't want a BlackBerry. I want, I want an iPhone. I want a Mac. 
And so that's what changed corporate IT so quickly was it because it was like bring your own device and consumers were saying, I want, I want this and this is what I want to use. I think in a similar vein, we're seeing with so many challenges in our healthcare system that people are starting to say, I need to find solutions for myself. I can't just wait till I get an appointment with a doctor, you know, which could take months or I, I need to figure out solutions for myself. We're not saying we're gonna replace the, the healthcare system and doctors and things like that. But what we're saying is there, there are tools out there and, and we get them you know, medically cleared, FDA cleared, approvals, right? So we go through and we spend a lot of time on um, the science behind it, getting it certified so it is safe to use. Um, but these are things you can start using on your own at home. You don't have to wait um, to, to get this. and really empowering people to take control of their own health and wellness. So that's what we see as a mega trend happening. And that's what we see as an ecosystem of products that, that when we come out with something, you know that Therabody is standing behind it from a technology. For, I'll give you an example. Last year, we came out with a product around cupping. And cupping traditionally, um, you know, is, is you might go to a massage therapist. They might use, you know, heat with it and flame with it. It could be a very challenging thing to use. We brought it to the market where you could be able to use it yourself through um, vibration and heat and all very controlled in a simple to use way. And now people said, you know, I'm, I've never, I've been wanting to try it, but now I'm going to try it because as a brand, these are the things you stand for and you wouldn't be bringing it to market unless it was something that was safe, easy to use and effective. So kind of going back to your question is from a fair body standpoint, we say ourselves is bring a num continue to innovate, continue to bring these products to market so they're safe, they're efficacious, they're not a gimmick or a trend, and ultimately are going to help you in your health and wellness journey. Um, but we did, you know, I said this similar to the challenge we had with, with Apple and iPhone, right? Like we were known as, in some parts of the world who didn't have the history of the brand, we were known as an iPhone company, right? And it was like, no, we're, we're actually a Mac company we started with back in the day. So I think it's also about where, where customers are coming in and understanding you, right? Now with the TheraFace product, you know, we're entering into more of the beauty space. So a lot of times the customer might be understanding us more from a beauty standpoint, and that's how they're coming into the brand is face first, then, then learning about the body. That's very interesting. I, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I, when we first agreed to jump on together, I envisioned talking about the competitive set being all the, you know, really weak products that I could buy as a, as a substitute on say Amazon that, you know, look like the Theragun, but they're not the Theragun and they're going to fail me in some sort of way. And, and hearing you talk about essentially who your competitive set is really, you know, repositions the company. And so I'm, I'm curious how much of your marketing mix now is tied to building Therabody as, as you describe it, a health wellness company versus, you know, building up what these products can do because as you said, you know, these are new entrants into your product portfolio at the same time that each require their own budget to launch. Um, and in some of these cases, you know, looking at some of the products, I wouldn't even know a competitor to any of them that exist. Not that much different than I never knew I needed a Theragun on day one, right? So how do you balance building the brand category versus the products? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a great question, um, and something that we we really think about and really think about a lot. Um, I look at the way we're 
what we're doing now is we're we're building the we're building the brand through the products. At the end of last year, we kind of developed some positioning for the brand um, Therabody, which is all around this idea of of movement and the kind of line on keep moving. Because at the end of the day, what our products do is and what we want to focus on is the ultimately the benefit to the customer. Right. And I think that's really, really important because if we can tell you, hey, we can help you move better, we can help you feel better, that kind of takes us away from a speeds and feeds conversation, right? Because a, a customer can say, hey, or not, sorry, not a customer, a com- competitor can say, hey, we have more attachments, we go faster, or we're all these things. And it's like, those don't necessarily matter, right? Because if you don't know what the attachments do, I can give you three attachments. It'll be way better than six or seven. So you kind of go into where people, you remember like, you know, we're going to do six minute abs and someone's going to say, I'm going to do five minute abs and four minute abs. We don't really want to be in that conversation. I think we want to be a lot more about ultimately what's, what's the benefit? What are we helping you to achieve and accomplish? So again, like we rallied around this notion of we're really helping you to do the thing, powering you to do the things you love to do. Right. And I go back to, again, it might be keeping up with grandkids or being a, a student athlete and competing. And so that is kind of how we think about the brand, but because our products are so unique and they do have some very specific audiences and approaches, we've really focused on how do we build through, through the products there. Like I said, the TheraFace device, which is really going to talk to someone when they're kind of thinking about more of their, more of their, their, their skin health and beauty is going to be a little bit different than someone's talking about maybe recovering from an injury or getting over, you know, their aches and pains so they can do more of what they love. So so I've been thinking about how do we kind of come in at, at more of that product level? So we start to kind of um, talk to you on that specific need and how that product can really help you. And then as we start to build a relationship with you, we can start to say, here are some other products that can help you do some other things, right? And so I think it's a, it's a lot to try and say, we're Therabody and we have all these solutions, right? Because I think you could get a little bit overwhelmed but like you, if I can bring you in and say, hey, Theragun, and help you understand what that can do for you, then I can start to have the conversation and say, okay, you had an injury, so we have PowerDot. Or now you might be thinking about your uh, your wrinkles, you're getting older, <laughs> um, and so we can talk about TheraFace. Or, hey, you want to run a marathon, we could talk to you about jet boots or something else. So I think that's where we want to start to, we want to find how we come into the consumer in an authentic way to, what, to a challenge they're having and a benefit we provide. Then we continue the we continue the relationship. Well, one thing you're making me realize is I have a lot of personal needs uh, as, <laughs> as, as I age. That's for sure. Uh, and you're definitely uh, on the right track in terms of finding the right way in and expanding. John, we're going to take a quick break here. A few more quick rapid fire questions after this last quick moment. It is so easy for us to fall into the trap of comparing our product in terms of how many bells and whistles does it have compared to our nearest competitor. But as you hear John describe, when we can sell our product as a lifestyle changer, it elevates the game. It means that your competition can't compare. Now he's done this as we heard at Beats and he's doing this now at Therabody, which are obviously product lifestyle products to begin with. In your B2B world, that may be a little bit harder. But what problem are you really solving for your buyers? What change can you enable that one feature versus the other won't compare with? 
If you can figure out what that emotional connection is with your buyer, you will have a huge opportunity to distance yourself from any competition. John, this has been a great conversation already, and I want to tie together some of the things that we've talked about. And, and one of those, as you've transitioned into CMO, is I'd love your take on where content lives inside of the marketing organization. Who owns your content strategy, and what is that relationship between you and that individual? Great question. Um, I, I look at content as not the responsibility of one individual. I look at content kind of by channel. So if you're talking to the social team, it's about the content that's going on their channel. Talking about the web team, content could be on their channel. PR, the stories they're telling um, out in the world. So I really look at it as an integrated approach um, that has to ladder back up to a specific strategy because there's there's so many touch points and so much content that I think it's really challenging for one individual to own that. So how do you make content personal to the people you're trying to connect with. You know, as, as you said, this brand is all about the health problems that I have. And I look back on your career and I don't know how connected you were to some of these campaigns, but one I saw in your LinkedIn profile was it, it beats the the straight out of campaign, which people can look up and see. And, and you did it in, in a way there where people could personalize it to how they connected to the brand in some sort of way. What are you doing today with the stakes so much higher in terms of personalizing what these products can mean through content? Yeah, no, it's a it's a great point, and um, you know, probably could spend a whole whole podcast just on the uh, key study around uh, straight out of. Um, I think it it really has to go back to to the audience insight, right? I think for that, that you're trying to have a conversation with for straight out of the insight was we're all from somewhere. And everyone's very proud of it and they want to represent it. And it's a very personal thing to them. So that was a lot of success we had there and the ability to personalize. I think when we're talking about um, for Therabody, we really have to look at the, the specific audiences we're talking about. I am a cyclist and I have certain needs, right? So when we're thinking about content, athletes, partnerships, and your push-pull relationship needs to be relevant relevant to me as a, as, as a customer, right? And we just launched a campaign uh, called it's kind of our testimonial campaign is called what moves you and we did a piece of content that was all about um, a mechanic up in northern montana and it was all about how does he battle his aches and pains so he can continue to both be a dad and be a small business owner and how do we power him and so when we're talking that consumer you know we're bringing them into a specific landing page that's going to talk about their needs um, you're not going to come into our world and just see a fitness person or a cyclist you're really going to be talking about his needs and what he needs and the products relating to him. So I really think that you have to, again, go to those those kind of funnels for those customers and ensure that as you're bringing them in, um, that it's it's very customized to them and and their journeys. That That's it, kind of a macro level. That That's how I think about it. I think it's great advice. I think, you know, as much as sometimes, as you said, we want to be the LeBron James walking down the hallway wearing the product, sometimes our ability to connect more to the use case being highlighted can be all that more powerful, especially today where we have access to all of our friends' user-generated content on the fly. 
Yeah. Last question for you here as we, as we run out of time and that, that comes down to how you take breaks uh, to take care of yourself. And I feel like this episode has all been, been all about personal health. One of the challenges being a CMO is you get drawn into the business 24 uh, seven. You've got a global for footprint. How do you focus on yourself and make that a priority? Yeah. I, I think about this a lot. I think there's a big myth out there that you just have to work, work harder. And, and I always go back to work smarter. I don't love people who have a badge because I don't sleep and I work all the time and I respond to every Slack when it goes out or email. So to me, it's really about boundaries, right? I, I have a 10 month old and I think that's probably helped me to say, you know, my, my day is going to start at, you know, nine o'clock and in the morning and it's going to end, I'm going to have to be home at five o'clock, you know, and really creating boundaries and saying, this is what, where I'm, what the times I'm going to work. Um, I also really take time to, you know, exercise instead of like cycling. So I take time to do that. That's a, t I love it because my phone's not, I'm on my phone. I'm not on the internet. I'm not on social. So it's really being able to kind of have that almost that meditative. So I, I really think it's important for people to create boundaries and try to make sure when employees take time off as myself, they actually take time off. So I try to lead by example by not, you know, saying I'm going to be off and then slacking and emailing people, you know, at different random times. So I think that it, we're in such these chaotic worlds where we're able to um, reach everyone. We're able to consume at any time. So it's so easy to always be on, but you have to, you have to put your, turn your notifications off on your Slack. You have to take time off. You have to take real vacations or else you're hundred percent going to burn out. So that's what I try to embody. And I really, really try to lead by example with the organization doing that. That's some great advice. And I, I feel like I'm still looking at your product page. I feel like that smart goggle eye mask massager is going to be key with the 10 month old, you know, like just waking you up in the morning You're going to need these products at every stage as you're, as you're yeah. outlining you. And people, and people love it because it covers your eyes, right? Because you can't actually be on your phone. So it forces you to take a break. It forces you to unplug. And that's a great insight we've learned with this product that's been kind of a, a, a rocket ship. We can't even keep it on the shelves. It's a, it's a great insight that we didn't even realize until started, people started using it. I love that. John, again, thank you so much for sharing. There's, there's so much we can learn from each other as marketers. And that's the big goal of this podcast is to introduce different paths to becoming a CMO, different paths to running marketing. If you're tuning in for the first time, catching John's episode, check out all the other great guests that we've had. Every CMO's story is a little different. You're probably taking your own path. And one day, hopefully you'll join us here to be the next guest on The Marketer's Journey. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, at uberflip.com slash podcast, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.